Lichutei Sichos, Chelik Yudches, Volume 18, the Sicha for Yud Beis and Yud Gimel Tamas. That's the celebration of the 12th and 13th of Tamas. In this Sicha, I'm going to come to appreciate the inner meaning and purpose of the Golas, all these thousands of years as trials and tribulations and suffering that we've been through uh, until Mashiach comes. So, the Sicha begins, every month, has its theme, its motif, meaning that there is a day or two or three in that month that are unique days, that are unique celebrations or commemorations of something, and they, so to speak, shape the image, the theme of the entire month. For example, we have the month of Adar. Adar is the month of Purim. But for that, the entire month becomes a month in which Halacha says, quote, Mishanichnas Adar Marbim Besimcha. That from when Adar begins, we already start to increase in joy. In other words, it affects the entire month and it becomes the theme of the entire month. When we look, however, in the month of Tammuz, we find perhaps what seems to be, or what's actually, two opposites. Two extreme opposites that seem to be represented in this month. First, the month, the theme of the month, or perhaps you can say the most significant day in the month, is one that's actually brought down, it's quoted in the Tanakh, in the Torah, the written Torah. And that is, it's, and it's called the Tzom Ha'arevi'i, the fast of the fourth month. Now, why is it the fourth month of the fourth? Because counting from Nisan, which for all Jewish practices, we count from Nisan, the months of the year, this is the fourth month, fourth month. So it's quoted as the fast of the fourth, meaning, and you see an interesting thing, that this becomes a general theme of the entire month. It's not just one day of the month, which is the 17th of Tammuz, which commemorates the breaching of the walls of Jerusalem, or prior to that, the breaking of the tablets of the Luchot. Rather, the way the verse represents it, not as the 17th of the fourth month, or not as the fast that occurs in the fourth month, but the fast of the fourth month, tell of the fourth, period. That tells us that this becomes, so to speak, the essence of the month. However, on the other hand, something more in our modern times, something closer to our times, something that occurred just a generation or so ago with the previous Rebbe, and that is the, the celebration of the redemption of the 12th and the 13th of Thomas, the redemption of the the liberation, that is, of the previous Rebbe from the clutches of the Soviet, the communist Soviet regime, that they rested in for spreading Judaism, for his counter-revolutionary, so to speak, actions, and then they released him and the sentiment let him free on the 12th or 13th of Thomas, and as we'll learn later, the positive repercussions of that. So... Now, the interesting thing is that this wasn't just a private liberation. This wasn't just a celebration for him himself, even albeit as a leader of the Jewish people. But rather, as he emphatically stated upon his release, that this is a celebration not just for him, but for every single Jew. Not just the Jews that actively uh, observe the Torah and cherish its teachings, but even to the extent of a Jew that perhaps is only Jew by name, just by some kind of subliminal identity, even for him or her, this is a tremendous celebration. So these are the two extremes that we find in this month. Now, 
take it a step further, the Rebbe takes it. The name of the month, which obviously the name brings out the essence of the month. What is the name Tammuz? What does it mean? What is it a reference to? What does it represent? So if we look in the Tanakh again, and specifically in the book of Yechezkel, over there the prophet describes his vision of he saw the layout of the base of Mikdash and so on. And he describes as he came to a certain gate in one of his prophecies, he describes that this is the place where, quote, the women would sit and bewail the Tammuz. What is the Tammuz? Rashi explains to us that the Tammuz was this kind of object that had like a face, so to speak, it had an image on it with eyes, and it would, as it would be heated up, the eyes would give the appearance, the lead would start to pour out, it would give the appearance as if it's crying, and that's when it was as if it's begging for an offering. But the point is that Tammuz means heat, intense heat, warmth. But the bottom line is, in that context, what does Tammuz mean? What is a reference to? An idol, idol worship, which is obviously the absolute negative and most despicable that possibly can be, something which negates the oneness of Hashem. However, on the other hand, we have something which, again, closer to our times, in the last few hundred years, from the time of the revelation of the Hasidic teachings, that we have a deeper insight, a deeper appreciation as to what is the meaning of Tammuz. In other words, this time period, in most of, at least in the Western world, this is a time when there is an intense heat. It comes summer. This is the beginning of summer. And this is when summer seems to, the sun seems to be intensely giving off its heat. So Hasidus explains that this is a result, actually. In other words, this is an expression of a very lofty and spiritually high idea. In other words, Hasidus explains that everything that happens in this world is really an involvement. It's something that evolves and over many, many levels, coming from the great, great, great spiritual levels, as it comes down here and it manifests itself into the physical, into the material, then it takes on a shape and form which we see. So therefore the sun, which gives us this intense heat in the summer, this is a result of the fact that up there, spiritually, in the lofty levels, there is an intense emanation of God's energy, of the spiritual warmth, so to speak, and that, so to speak, manifests itself down here in this world in a literal sense where the sun gives off this, this tremendous heat. So now, what do we see here? That we have two opposites. In the one hand, we have in the month of Thomas, you have extreme sadness, right? The day which, which is extreme sadness. And as we said, as the verse Represent, pre presents it as this is the highlight, this is the theme of the entirety of the month. Yet on the other hand, we have this great revelation, this great redemption, this great celebration of the release of the, of the, of the freeing of the previous Rebbe. And now in the name, you have the two contrasts again. Where on the one hand, the name represents the depth of the lowliness of the antithesis of what God is all about, of the oneness of God, that which contradicts the oneness of God, namely idolatry. And on the other hand, as Hasidus explains it, it represents the loftiest level of God's revelation that possibly can be, and even so that it manifests itself into our world, in our world, into the fact that the sun gives off so much light. So how do we, how do these opposites come together as one thing? How do we explain it? You know, it would seem... Perhaps that is, you, perhaps one can try to explain it this way. 
The Rebbe says, let's make the attempt this way. You see, we all know that the deeper meaning or perhaps purpose of and the objective of this fast day of the 17th of Tammuz and then likewise for Tisha B'Av is not, God forbid, to cause us pain, but to ultimately, ultimately lead to the Geula, to the redemption that will come as a result of it, right? And therefore, perhaps you can suggest that maybe that's why Hashem also put in now that we have this advantage that we know about this redemption aspect of the month of Tammuz, namely the one that happened with the previous Rebbe, to give us that little insight, to give us the encouragement and to tell us, to point to us, this really is what it's all about. Perhaps that would be a suggestion of explaining the the reason how these, and, 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 the, and, and so to speak, the, the possibility that these two things come together, how they possibly come together. In the one hand, an extreme sadness, and the other hand, the joy of redemption. In other words, this is giving us like an insight, a little flavor, a little tasting, a little sampling of the fact that, hey, this is really for that purpose. Says the Rebbe, that would be a good answer. However, the following questions perhaps negate this and don't let allow us to just continue on. And that is, if that's the case, why is it that the redemption comes prior? The 12th and the 13th of Tammuz occur prior to the 17th of Tammuz. In other words, it would make sense if we had the 17th of Tammuz, and then we have a day of redemption to remind us and to give us that insight that deep down, this really is for a purpose of redemption. It's not just all bad. But here comes first the redemption, and then, so to speak, comes the sad day, which seems to wipe it away. That cannot you know, justify, that can literally play absolute justice to this explanation that we try to give. And number two, if that's the case, why for so many generations, almost 2,000 years, this was unknown. It hadn't happened yet. In other words, this insight wasn't shared with anyone. And all they had was just the 17th of Tammuz. All they had was the sad day, the bad day, and they didn't have the perspective of this redemption that we have now. So this cannot be the, 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 the answer, or certainly not to be the answer in the absolute. So we need to dig a little, a little deeper. And we need to really perhaps come to the conclusion that yes, indeed, the main theme, the main aspect of this month is indeed the sad day of the month. That is the 17th of Tammuz. But however, even if we consider it as such, even if we say, no, this is the highlight of the month, this therefore establishes the theme of the month, the 17th of Tammuz, Yet, we still have two ways of looking at it. Let's take a closer look. On the one hand, you can look at it in what we call the chitzoniyut, in the superficial manner, as it appears, as you see it. As you see it, it seems like a, a, a very non-desirable thing. It's just an aspect of punishment, of harshness. However, if you look at it from the pinimiyut, from the esoteric, from the subliminal, there you find out that that the fast day, as it says, it's what's going to be, and it says in the prophecy, what's going to be, meaning in the time to come when Mashiach comes, that these days will transform and they will become days of joy and gladness, days of celebration. And of course, the question is, what do you mean these days will become days of celebration? When we say these days, we mean the 17th of Tammuz, which is what we're talking about, and then later even worse, Tisha B'Av, the ninth of Av. What does it mean that these days will 
transform, will turn into days of joy and gladness. You know, there's one thing if you say, look, the Bet HaMikdash will be rebuilt. We will be back in Jerusalem. Things will be the way they're meant to be. Things will be so good that we'll just forget about the sadness of the past. But to say that the actual days will be days of joy, that doesn't seem to make sense. We need to understand it. So for that, we have the famous parable, the metaphor of the big and mighty king, the famous king, who although he is such a royal person, yet because of the love for his little son, for his little child, for the little prince, he goes himself to clean off the filth, the child paid in filth and maybe made all over himself, and he goes himself to clean it off. And that is the metaphor that's given for Hashem, this great and mighty king, the ultimate king, the king of kings, how he himself, because of his great love that he has for us, his only child, the Jewish people, he himself comes to clean off the filth that we have accumulated. Sometimes in the process of cleaning, it could seem, it could have a, an appearance of severity, of harshness. I would give perhaps my own example. You see a child that maybe fell and scraped their knee. And the parent has to, because of their love, they have to now clean that wound. And you're cleaning it with alcohol or peroxide or whatever, what, what have you. And the child is screaming from pain as you're pulling out the little tiny pebbles in the filth that's there. It hurts. The skin, the, the, the flesh is raw. The skin is scraped off. It hurts terribly. If you just look at the moment, at that site, what do you see? You see a parent inflicting pain on a child. But really, this is being done out of tremendous love for the child. Not doing it, God forbid, to hurt the child. It's coming out. It's coming out in a manner of givurah, of severity. It looks like it's a painful thing. And it perhaps is a painful thing in the moment. But the real reason, what is the driving force behind it? Why is the parent doing it? Because of their tremendous love for their child. That's why they do it. And therefore, this is the metaphor. When the gallus ends... When all this suffering, the thousands of years of Galut ends, Mashiach comes, and the Beis HaMikdash is rebuilt, then the severity aspect of the love, in other words, the way the love gets expressed as a necessary tool to clean away the filth, or in this case, to clean away, to, to clean the wound, if I may, the, that will go away. What will remain? What will we see? What will we therefore appreciate? the intensity of Hashem's love to us, and that will bring out a joy. In other words, now we can't appreciate it as much because now we're feeling the pain. So it's hard for us to step aside and say, hey, wow, look at Hashem's great love that He Himself tends to our wounds. He Himself tends to cleaning our filth. It's not easy for us to do it because we're feeling the pain and it looks like it's severity. So in short, the extreme kindness and the ultimate love from Hashem, from a father, it becomes garb, it becomes concealed, so to speak, in an element of severity. But the moment that the severity goes away, which is going to be when Mashiach comes, then you see the pure love in its full intensity. And there, according to this, we can explain, we can understand why for so many years, the 17th of Tammuz, which is the theme of the month of Tammuz, was only known as a severe thing as a punishment as a difficult thing as a sadness why because the intensity of the love was concealed but and therefore we only saw the gibura the severity however as we come closer and closer to the time 
when finally that love will come out in its full force and the severity will be totally abolished because it, you know, the, the mission will have been accomplished already. Therefore, Hashem already gives us a little tasting of it, a little sampling of what's going to be then. And therefore, even before the fast day comes around in the month of Tammuz, Hashem gave us a glimpse of redemption. Hashem gave us a taste of what it's going to feel like that the enemy themselves, those who countered the spreading of Torah, those who stood up and, and, and had every intent in destroying entirely to the root the spreading of Torah, the learning of Torah, and the next generation of Jewish children studying Torah, they themselves were the one who released the previous Rebbe, and they themselves were the one who made it possible now for the Friedrich Rebbe, for the previous Rebbe, not only to continue his activities in Russia, but because of that, as a result, several months later, he left Russia, and he came to the free world, and from there, he took his work, his, his mission, his, his agenda, of spreading Torah and mitzvahs to a whole different level will now embrace the entirety of the universe. And interesting, if you look, Rebbe says, in the story of uh, the 12th and 13th of Stamas itself, you see this aspect too. That on the one hand, the previous Rebbe suffered tremendously. Physical, emotional, psychological pain that was inflicted on him. And he, as he describes himself in his memoirs, of, uh, in his diary of day-to-day -day of what he went through. However, what was hidden in there? Exactly what I said before, that this became the cause, this became the reason for such tremendous good, a good that the previous Rebbe himself appreciated and was able to take to a whole different level, namely the spreading of Judaism all over the world. And this, the Rebbe says, is reminiscent of what his father, that is, the previous Rebbe's father, the Rebbe Rashab, the fifth Lubavitcher Rebbe, Rabbi Shalom Dover, said, that we Jews are like an olive. When you crush an olive, that's when the true pure oil comes out. That's when the essence comes out. So this gives us a little an idea of how, again, just to summarize, where the, yes, the main point of the month is the 17th of Thomas. But now as we get closer to the time of redemption, when all the sadness, all because of all the severity, will be now totally gone. And only what will be left? What will we see? What will we come to appreciate? What was really there all the time? The true love of Hashem, which really triggered all of this. It just was expressed in because it was hidden, the love. It was expressed in a manner of severity. Therefore, Hashem also gives us now, in our times, we have already the celebration of the 12th and 13th of Tammuz, which gives us, so to speak, a preview this great love where we can see in the story itself where in the one hand there was severity but that severity was really the reason and the cause the catalyst for the great the great uh, positive that came out from it now we could also appreciate the name of the month if you remember we said there are two extremes on the one hand it represents the, ut the utmost negative the it's a name of an idol and on the other hand it represents the warmth the intensity of the energy of godly energy so the Rebbe says the same thing, that really, this is, until Hasidus was revealed, Tammuz was only known as something which has, an, uh, uh, so to speak, an opposing quality against godliness. It was a name of an idol. However, as we get closer to the redemption, where then everything, all the subliminal and all the esoteric aspects of things will become revealed in the open when Mashiach comes, and the true essence of everything is really good, especially this, 
Therefore, as Hasidus was revealing to us, giving us a sampling, giving us a taste of what's going to be in the future, Hasidus shares with us this in, inside information, so to speak, to understand, to, do, to know that really deep down, Tammuz represents, that means the heat, this, the warmth represents the positive, the godly energy is just at a manifest itself and evolves us to so many different levels until it comes down all the way to the lowest point where it can even seem to be something which opposes godliness. And this we see again as expressed in the celebration of the 12th and the 13th of Thomas. What is the obvious lesson for us? What is the obvious directive for us? You know, when, these, when this time period comes, the 17th of Thomas, which initiates the three weeks, which culminates with Tisha B'Av, the 9th of Av, when this time, you know, when it comes near, a person starts to think about it, you start to reflect, it's very easy to fall into despair and think, oh my gosh, here we go again, a difficult time period, a reminder of all the terrible trials and tribulations we've been through, throughout all the thousands of years, here comes the lesson. Here comes the teaching from this Sikha. Here comes, you know, our takeaway, our takeaway lessons that we should be able to be positive and not fall into despair. That one has to remember that really the inner purpose, the inner essence of all that goes on in the world, since it all comes from Hashem, is only Hashem's good and Hashem's love to us, especially when something happens to the Jewish people. It's just that sometimes, for a certain time period, it seems that it's not love. It see the way it gets expressed is in a manner that it seems to be severity. It seems to be gvura. It doesn't seem to have any aspect of chesed in it, of kindness, of love in it. However, when a person reflects and he says, no, the deeper meaning of this is truly love, is truly good, then a person, not only he won't be in despair, but can actually garnish and, and find in themselves true joy. However, the Rebbe cautions and says, obviously, this is not to negate what it says in the Shulchan Aruch and the Code of Jewish Law. There are rules, there are customs of how we behave in the three weeks, which cannot be ignored and cannot be canceled out, notwithstanding the understanding that we have, the perspective we have as a result of this explanation. Because the fact is that the reality we're in, and that we have to act according to the reality that we're in, that's how halacha functions, that's how we're supposed to behave, Therefore, the reality, since the reality we're in is not yet fully there, it's just we're getting an idea of it, we're getting a glimpse of it, a taste of it, therefore we still need to behave in a manner which is in accordance with Shulchan Aruch, with all the details of the laws and the customs for these three weeks. However, Hashem should help that speedily we should come to that time to not only hear about these ideas, but in fact see them with our physical eyes.